0: Hello, everyone. Today I have the privilege of having Mark Hunter here with me today, and I got to see him on stage at Sales 3.0. It was before the pandemic started. Mark is the author of three books, and the best one I hear is A Mind for Sales. Mark,
1: welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on. Wow, on on stage, that seems so long ago.
0: Isn't In it? You know, what
1: a- far, far away. <laughs> What was hilarious was
0: there was one of the speakers on the first day because, you know, the coronavirus was here and there was all kinds of like uncertainty and panic. And one of the speakers came on stage, I don't remember who, and he said, you know, before I start the presentation, I just want to honor my mentor. He's in the audience. Please stand up. And this guy stands up and he says, I have a gift for you. And his lovely assistant brings this gift that's kind of in this velvet bag. And the guy gets it, unravels it, and it's a can of Corona beer. And it's nine in the morning and the guy pops it open, takes a big swig, And it was almost a sigh of relief in the entire audience. Like this is the elephant in the room and this guy addressed it head on. And so it's all about mindset and putting people at ease.
1: It, re- it really is, especially right now with everything going on. There's so much noise out there, so many distractions. It's incredible.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I wouldn't want to be is a secret service agent because through your entire career, you'll never get to save the president because no one's trying to kill them, but you have to be vigilant as if the next moment it will be. And uh, the reason I bring it up is with this pandemic, you know, the first three weeks of it, you know, hey, we're vigilant and we're not sure if sales is going to happen anymore. Then we got kind of used to it, but now we're so far into it. It's hard to stay focused at the job at hand because it's been so long.
1: It really is hard to stay focused. It almost feels like Groundhog Day. And which on the one hand, Cheetah creates a repetition, but on the other hand, it creates a big, giant distraction because of everything out there.
0: So people are buying, people are making sales, not everybody, but people are. And Mark, one of the things I wanted to help our listeners out with is, okay, let's just take a deep breath in. Let's reset the fundamentals in this new world that we're in, that how can we get more conversations with our prospects? And if we could do that, it just make the world a better place. So like one of my clients this morning, he's a headhunter and he does placements. He says all his staff are feeling great because they've got more conversations happening. They're not making as many sales as they want, but just that alone has changed their mindset. So help people get more conversations, Mark.
1: Well, th- what you just opened up was Pandora's box because really uh, sales, sales and business is about conversations. It's a societal interaction. Yes. And we can talk about all the SaaS tools and we can talk about all the ways to automate things and, and digitize and so forth, but it's still, it's still people to people and the ability for the salesperson, because I think right now, you know, we have an ability to create conversations that we never had before because it is a changed environment out there. And one of the things that I continuously tell people is, don't think your goal is to keep that conversation online or keep that connection online. Your 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 goal is to take that online connection and create the offline conversation, the phone yes. call. The absolute phone. When we get done here, I've got three phone calls I intend to make to, to two prospects and one to an existing client. And very much so because... I want to have that interaction, want to have that level of engagement. The telephone is really the the foundation uh, from which all sales and business occurs because it's the conversation medium. Now, we can argue Zoom, we can argue Teams, we can have all these other tools, but what is it still? It's still about human interaction. Absolutely. That's what what it's all about right now, human interaction.
0: So like a million years ago, it was somebody like uh, one of the rock stars in sales had done this quote. And the quote was something like, the phone call is the best deal in America because it used to cost a dime. And now phone calls are free. It's even a better deal.
1: (laughs) It's a better deal. And yet so many salespeople, they, they look at their smartphone and they don't even realize- it's a telephone. It is a telephone. Yes. And one of the things that, and, and I think one of the reasons is, is because people say, I, I, I don't want to be bugged and nobody answers the phone, all this sort of stuff. I go, hold it just a moment, though. Just a moment. Do you think everybody's reading all your emails? Do you think somebody's reading all your social media posts? Your mother isn't even doing that. So get over it. So I look at it and I can have one phone call with somebody and exchange as much information as I will through five or six emails. So it's in my interest to have a phone call.
0: One of my clients, I was there, I kind of give them uh, training sessions where we talk about mindset. And just before we started, the owner of the team went to one of the chief salespeople and says, were you able to close this deal? And the guy says, oh yeah, we closed that deal. He says, well, how many uh, texts did you have to send to kind of get that phone call? And he goes, 21. And the boss goes this was interesting. goes, 21, like how did you react? And the notion was, the presupposition in that question was, the guy was super annoyed. And the salesperson answered, he ignored all of them, except when he was ready to move forward. And he was like, I'm so glad you reached out. And it was, he'd forgotten all the other 20. It's nobody remembers. See, this is the whole thing.
1: We have an, I I firmly believe, and, and this is where, boy, this just rubs some people the wrong way. If I have the ability to help someone, it's yes. my obligation to reach out to them. It, I, I I owe it to them. If I don't reach out to them, I'm actually doing them a disservice. And and that's what prospecting is all about. I owe it to you if I know I can help you to reach out to you.
0: You know what's interesting with that statement you just made is you can take someone that's you know, a pretty strong-willed person and say, can you help me buy a car? I'm going to the car dealership today. And they're going to be like, beasts in that negotiation. they're going to get me the best deal freaking possible. And I'm going to be so thankful. But when they go out to get their own car, they're going to be wimps.
1: Uh, spot on, spot on, because for some reason we change this behavior. And like these two prospects that I'm going to call, uh, they don't know I'm going to call. They right. don't know. But I, I really have this feeling that I know, I know I can help them. Now, is this initial call going to be successful? I have no idea. That I really, I have a 50, 50 chance. They can either answer the phone or they don't answer the phone.
0: It's a point cost.
1: Yeah, it's fine. I don't care. I don't care. And I'm going to keep coming back to these. I'm going to keep coming back to them because I know I can make a difference with them.
0: What I like about your mindset is that if salespeople and dear listeners, as you're listening to this, you may not make the phone call for yourself. But if you consider it's your duty to help that person, it's just like going to negotiate for a friend. Then all of a sudden it gives you permission to be bolder because who are you not to help them?
1: Yeah, and and this is one of the pieces that people get upset. Me, well, Mark, what if they get upset at me? What if they get mad at me? Now, hold on just a moment. One of the things that I always contend is that you don't know what's going on in that person's mind or what that person's life just before you call. They may be having the absolute worst day imaginable. Yes. And you happen to call. And they just happen to take it out on you. This is this is the equivalent of of driving through an intersection. You're driving through an intersection. You have the green light. And a car coming from the cross street runs the red light and hits you. Right. It it just, it's just, it just. One of those things. Yeah. Relax, relax. There's no need to get panicked. It's just, it's okay. And we have to realize that when I, when I don't have an interaction with you, it's okay. It's okay. But have I earned the right, the privilege, honor, and respect to be able to converse with you again? Yeah. Now you may have, oh, but wow, they chewed me out. They ripped me up and down. Okay, I get it. But you know what? I'm still here. And if I believe I can help you, and I seriously believe I can help you, then I'm going to try reaching back out to you. I'll just use a different medium. I'll try something else. But I don't let an obstacle, people don't know what they don't know until they know what they don't know. Yeah. That's what sales is. Helping people know what they don't know.
0: And what's kind of interesting is that interaction with that customer who is uh, being a dick is really emotionally relevant to us. But to them, you're inconsequential. They've forgotten it. you could call them back the next day and they're like, oh, Mark, hey, how are you?
1: It's like, they, they don't remember at all. But the problem, this is where it is. Don't allow those situations to negatively impact your day. This is where I see, you know, every call I make stands on its own. Every call that the call I'm about to make. That person will have zero clue as to what I did just before.
0: So my latest project is a web app called Mindset Boosters, and it uses applied neuroscience and NLP that's designed to help you let go of that last call or get you're not feeling the magic, you get into your best sales mode, or you've lost a really big deal. Instead of being bummed out for a week, in eight minutes, you're like over it just to address that but making the call. So what's your philosophy on if you were making a call to me that opening 30 seconds, what does that sound like Mark?
1: Well, the, the opening call, first of all, I'm going to probably take a minute or two and it's only going to take a take a minute or two to get some research on you. For instance, I was out before we contacted, before we touched base here 15 minutes ago. I was out on your website and I saw a little bit of some of the other people you've had on your show and and that is absolutely terrific. And so I might pick up the phone. I might start the conversation. Is hey, you've had some great guests. In fact, a couple of them might happen. No, Kendra, you you had you had her on your show recently. Yes, and tell me a little bit about uh, you know. I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but I'd love to hear what were some of the insights that that she shared. You know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a question, a comment, something that is of interest to you. This is what's so key. This is not. Th- that initial call is not show and tell. Uh, that is something you did in grade school. That's some, you, That's not something we do in sales. And also, don't think for a moment that as you pick up the phone, you call somebody and they're talking to you. You know what? They're probably Googling you, right? Literally. Then oh, absolutely. There. So don't waste your breath. Don't waste your time telling them how wonderful you are. Engage them. The faster you engage them, the more likely you are to have a conversation with. So tell
0: me about someone in the last couple of days that you've reached out to that was a new cold call and the research you did and what that opening call sounded. Because the reason I'm kind of belaboring this point is the heaviest thing in the world is this thing, this phone I'm holding in my hand. Yeah. And the worst 30 seconds of their lives is the first 30 seconds of that conversation. If they can get over that, it's a piece of cake.
1: Yeah. Here's the easiest way to do it. You go out and you say, okay, this is the person I'm going to call. This is the business they happen to be in. This is the industry. And in. I go in, I go out and I very quickly look at their website. Uh, but you know what? Funny, you're looking at their website probably far more frequently than they're looking at their own website. Yes. People don't look at their own website. But anyway, or I may go out to their LinkedIn profile, but I'm going to go out and I'm just going to Google their industry. See what news is out there. See what's happening in their industry. And I'm going to be able to trigger some comments, some conversation that I'm going to be able to pick up. There was a company that I called the other day, and they work in the office interior supply business. Whoa, (laughs) you talk about an industry that's been ravaged. But there was a very interesting article about really what the predictions are for the end of 2021. And I called up a prospect. This was a cold call. And I said, hey, I wanted to reach out to you because I just saw an article online that really painted a pretty promising outlook for the industry in the second half of 2021. And they said, "Really? Transition. That's cool. all. That's all. That's all I did. Yes, exactly. And and because what's going to happen is, as as we get through this COVID, there's going to be a lot of reconfiguring of offices. There's going to be a lot of reconfiguring of office space. That's going to create opportunities. See, so you know, I, I I not in their industry. I don't know their industry. But I you had another get an insight, but I helped it's them huge. get an insight. And and this person immediately thought I was part of the industry. I'm not part of the industry. I I, I just I." I it took me all of about ninety seconds to do this.
0: Dear listeners, please, for the love of God, do what Mark said, but do not use it as an excuse and spend half an hour researching a company because people tend to do that because it's easier
1: than picking up the phone. That that is so true. That this is what 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 happens is we overanalyze, and that's why I say it never takes more than sixty seconds, ninety seconds at the absolute most. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. In fact, put a timer time- on. Put a and timer, it good,
0: more, good more at time. it. Just go, hey, I got uh, ninety seconds to figure out whatever I find. I'm gonna go with.
1: Yeah, and and chances are you probably sell in the same vertical. Yep. So guess what? You already know something, and boom, you just lead off with that. You just go. You don't really have to do much research at all. Um, don't we? What this is where I, I I jump on people because they say, oh, I set a prospecting time. No, hold, 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 hold it, hold it. Your prospecting time is your engagement time. You have prospecting preparation time. That's when you're doing it. Because what I find too many times is people will spend all of their prospecting time getting ready to prospect, but never actually making a phone call. Yeah. Oh, oh, that drives me nuts.
0: So the title of this episode is going to be uh, Mark Hunter on, it's all about engagement time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's Because I, I look at it this way and I talk about it in my book, A Mind for Sales, CFT, customer facing time. Right. You want to really be measuring. How much time are you spending customer facing? And that's either actively engaged with a customer on the phone, Zoom, Teams, uh, text messaging, email, something. But you have to measure it. And then you break down your CFT even further because then there's existing customers and there's new customers. Because here's what I find. Many times, oh, I, I spend all, all, day with, with, all day with customers. Yeah, but it's those same three accounts that you've had for years. Right. Get over it. You're not bringing new. So I look at it. Who are the new customers, the prospects? That's the CFT I'm really dialed in on.
0: If you go into, uh, let's say, a sales organization, they've got five salespeople, probably don't have a lot of good processes in place. Like they're making money, they're profitable, but there's so much money left on the table. Walk me through how you kind of help them become uh, warriors and actually get a consistent growth in in their numbers.
1: Wow, that sounds like a phone call I had about two hours ago. Right. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, seriously, this is their their business is good, but they know they're not extracting all of the revenue that they could. Because the the, the challenge that I, I I'm coming back to, to the sales team is what you're doing is you're playing customer service. You're playing customer service. You're you're responding to the needs of the customer and you think you're selling. No, you're not. You're playing customer service. Selling is about creating incremental opportunities for you and the customer. Right. Because you're not you're not asking difficult questions. In fact, I just did a video on this the other day that you need to be asking questions that the customer can't answer and you can't answer. Whoa, that's scary. Oh only yeah. A con- only a confident salesperson would do that. But what does that do? That creates a conversation. That creates a conversation. And that's how you begin to uncover what are those next level of needs. I was on the phone yesterday with with a company that I did a little bit of work for. This was about a month ago. And, um, as I was talking with the VP of sales, he shared with me some insights. Okay. It was great. It was great. Great. And I'm already, Hmm, you know what? I'm taking those insights. I'm going to do a little bit more, uh, research. I've got some things I'm going to share with him, but I'm going to, I'm going to arrange a follow-up call with him next week. I'm going to say, Hey, following up on, on what you shared with me, it, it sparks some ideas. I've got some things for you. Boom. I'll get them in. then because The only good sale is one that leads to the next sale. You have to remember that. You got to keep that in mind. The only good sale is one that leads to the next sale. And whether that comes from the existing customer, because you're getting incremental business, or they refer you or something. but, But that's the mark of a successful salesperson. Brilliant.
0: It's all about focus. Uh, one of the things that you were mentioning, so I think the three most important words that are out there, one is to be relevant to your audience. And what you're talking about is be relevant to that phone call and asking questions that both of you can answer that starts a conversation. You're being highly relevant to those folks because they already know the answers. Whether they got the right answers or not doesn't make a difference. But if you help them get the questions that need answering, that's huge. Second one is integrity. How can you stay true to who you are? And the third one is focus. Once you've got this, how do you stay focused on what you're doing and not get distracted? Thoughts?
1: Drop, drop the mic on those because you just you just nailed it. It is. It is. that, that That's without a doubt. Uh, if you do those three things right, mm-hmm. and let's run with integrity for a second because everybody says, oh, I have integrity. Liar, liar, liar. If, if you have to run around yeah. and tell people that you have integrity- you Anybody have
0: that says it. I have integrity, run. Right, right,
1: right, right. That means they don't. So yeah, yeah. Uh, because you know what's interesting is you attract customers and clients mm-hmm. who are like you. When when I hear salespeople say I got bad customers, mm, you know what? It's, it's a clue. probably something that smells about you too. That's yeah. a little bit painful for people to understand, but sleazy customers are attracted to sleazy salespeople. It's just it just kind of goes together.
0: And by integrity, like what I mean from my point of view is so for me, my highest value is learning really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing a gig and I'm not learning anything... Then I'm not being an integrity. I'll I like do it for the paycheck, but that's not being who I want to be helping people. And the way I know I'm helping people is that they reach out to me and say, Oh my God, this changed what we're doing. And that's how I know. So those kinds of like, who are you? What drives you? And because a lot of times you can be follow the money and end up coming out of integrity and it doesn't help anybody.
1: Oh, yeah. And that, and I'll tell you what, see, the measurement of sales is not the revenue or sales you create. The measurement of sales is the impact you make on other people. That's, that's the measurement of sales. Yeah. And I got in trouble in my first two jobs. In fact, my first two sales jobs, I was fired from because I was focused on the latter only. I, I, I was only focused on the money I was making. That was it. Right. I, I, I was viewing the customers if they were bowling pins. My objective was to knock them down as rapidly as possible, get their money, and move on to the next one. And uh, it wasn't until I began to realize that, no, you got to focus on the impact you're making on the customer. That's the measurement of sales.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Uh, I've taken a lot of notes on the side here as we're talking, because all of the things that you've said, like the only good sale is one that leads to the next sale. Like we could change the topic of sales and a philosopher like Socrates, or somebody would have said something like that because the human condition has not changed.
1: It has not changed. It has not changed that this is this is these are foundational elements. and every generation that comes along in sales thinks they want to re rework right. sales, re rework sales. And I totally get that. I totally understand that. But the foundations of human interaction, human behavior have not changed in a thousand years. It's need satisfaction,
0: yeah. So I can actually put up a really good front and Mark would probably like me a lot for a little while, but pretty soon you're going to go, wait a minute, there seems to be a disconnect here. So being who you are, authentic, connecting with the person in that way is like a fundamental human connection. And when you get one of those, you get to be more honest with the person that you're helping because sometimes if that relationship isn't there, you can't really speak the truth and more importantly, they can't back to you. So it's just that fundamental underpinning of being a good human being makes you a great salesperson.
1: That word authenticity is more important than ever right now because we live in a media, social media-driven world. And there's nothing about you that people can't find out. There's nothing.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, I mean, believe me, um, fakeness gets smelled out pretty quickly. And and in this COVID pandemic, economic, all the turmoil that we've had over the past year, um, world that we're in, authenticity and values is really taking a higher and higher uh, position right? in how and why people choose to do business with who they choose to do business with.
0: We started off the conversation about me seeing you on stage. And I think what I really appreciated was you were up there And you know how sometimes you can get ideas and it's like, look, I've got a brilliant idea. Let me share it with you. But you were just like up there just saying, hey, having a conversation with everybody in the audience with, and that's authenticity in terms of, hey, I want to share some ideas with you.
1: You know, it's any conversation regardless is one-on-one. That's what what we're having right now. We're we're having a one-on-one conversation and people are listening to it and we can never forget in every form of communication it is a message of one it is yeah. a message of one. and who is that message for i had a um, i had a grandmother who was notorious at writing letters to each of her grandkids nice and you know as a little kid you never appreciated that you never really but looking back on that i go wow that really was amazing definitely that she would take the time to write this message. And, and and I'll venture to say that if the grandkids all got together and compared compared the letters, they'd probably have pretty much the same theme written all the way through it. Now, grandma was pretty smart. She knew that we would actually, you couldn't, she couldn't write the same thing. Right. But the, the theme and the concept echoed nice. the same thing all the way through.
0: So we were talking about connecting to this one-on-one. So, I do a lot of keynote speeches. And one of the biggest lessons I ever learned was I was at the National Speakers Association. They had a couple of hundred people in the audience. And this guy called Max Dixon came up and he says, Can I have a volunteer, please? And I went, Pick me, pick me. And I went up on stage and said, Umar, you've got your keynote. Give two minutes of your keynote to the audience. And I give my two minutes of my keynote. And he asked the audience, How was that presentation? And they go, Hey, Umar's a pretty good guy. That was a great presentation. Then he takes me aside and he whispers in my ear, he goes, I want you to do another two minutes of your keynote. And this time I want you to pick somebody on the right side of the audience and talk to Mark Hunter only, ignore everybody else. And then pick Gerhard on the other side of the audience and just talk to him, ignore everyone else. I think this is a really dumb idea. But I come up and I talk to a person on the right side of the audience. And then I talk to somebody on the left side of the audience. Then he asked the audience, how was that? And everyone's like, oh my God, that was so much better. That was so much richer. And I think what was going on was when I was talking to everybody, I was talking to no one, yes. but when I looked at Mark Hunter in the audience and I did a one-on-one, I connected with everybody in the audience on that same one-on-one because it was more heartfelt. And so ultimately it's one-on-one always, no matter how many people you talk to.
1: It is. Max is a great guy. I, I haven't seen Max, Max in a number of years, but he does a, an amazing job. But you know what's very interesting is what he brings out is this whole thing that people want to feel connected. Oh, Yeah. Don't feel you're talking at me. Make it feel as if you're talking with me. And I didn't even say to me. I said with me. Yeah. Because that way I can participate. I I feel like I'm participating. Zig Ziglar was a master at Uh, Zig. You know, he could be in front. First time I heard Zig, I was in a room of about 20,000 people. And it was amazing. He had a signature move that he would get down on one knee. He would always get down And you felt when he was down on one knee that you were the only person in the room. So Mark, if- That's the magic of communication.
0: That is magic. So uh, I hate exercising. So I'm on this kick. My exercise bike is in front of the TV and I watch documentaries and I'll send you a link. There was a documentary on Zig Ziglar, and it was his early videos of him, people talking about him, like what he created, Mm -hmm. kind of helped create our profession, and just breathtaking, because it was all about, how do I connect with each and every person in that audience and make a difference in their lives? And that's my duty. And it comes back to your point of when you're reaching out to people, if you see it as your duty, it changes the way you show up and the way you're received.
1: It it changes everything, because now I think what you do is you sense... Ownership. Yes, you you sense a commitment to that individual, and as a result, you're in the moment. You you, you are living in the moment at that time.
0: Mark, this has been as hard to believe as twenty eight minutes have flown by. Uh, before we part company, if there was three pieces of advice you could give our listeners that would help them get more sales in this climate,
1: sure. Here's here's one, two, and three. Number one. Realize that your goal is to impact people in a positive manner. When you do that, you too, you earn the right, the privilege, honor, and respect to be able to come back and meet with that person again. Three, if you have the ability to help someone, it is your obligation to reach out to them. Sales is not about delivering what customer wants. Sales is about delivering what customers need, even though they may not need it. and They may not think they need it. Right now.
0: Right. So you went from one to three. What was number two?
1: I have no idea, but don't ask me to repeat that again.
0: How's that? up. That was brilliant. <laughs> I love that. Normally what I do is I always go, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you three things. I know the first two, but I don't know the third. But by the time I get there, it'll come up. So I'm gonna give you number two, what Mark was thinking. I think it goes back to very much that your authenticity informs your intent. And people can pick up intent in a conversation biologically at that reptile brain level. And if you have the right authenticity, you have the right intent, and you help more people in life. Mark, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your mastery of the craft. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great selling. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results.